0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire. And all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up, and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey, everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with the cycling superstar Sarah Sturm, who has not only crushed, I don't know, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different events since I've seen <laughs> her, right, at, at Oregon Trail. Um, how are you doing?
1: Oh, super fresh. <laughs> Just, A little tired. Honestly, people ask me, and I'm like, super. I feel super.
0: (laughs) You just got finished with the uh, best last ride, right? In Montana. How was that?
1: Yes. Oh my God. What an event. I, um, yeah, that was like the most serendipitous, perfectly timed thing. At first, when I was like flying out there, because it was kind of a bit of an emotionally charged week leading up, um, I was pretty, I was pretty smoked. Honestly, just like mentally, I was like. I cannot believe I'm getting on a plane right now. Also, thank God I was getting on a plane and not driving a million hours, basically, to Canada, um, which Allison and Blaze did. So good on you guys. (laughs) But I was just, yeah, it was such a cool weekend. Like, it just rained the entire time and, like, (laughs) cleared up as everyone was finishing and it was beautiful and it was so cool. But yeah, oh my God. It's been a wild, like, couple months. (laughs) So
0: we hung out at Oregon Trail, which was during the heat wave, right? Like, there was a moment when you and I were riding from the finish down to our camp zone, where it was 112, and the car was boiling up through the pavement. (laughs) So from that event, which was a five-day stage race, you have done the, let's see, you've done the Rift in Iceland. Right, yes. you did you yeah. lead boat, mm-hmm. which is redonkulous. Granted, you're in Durango, so you have the elevation benefit, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You last best ride. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of events in the middle there, but you did I a don't lot. Even know. You've been busy,
1: busy. It's it's all so. I feel I truly like. I remind myself like this is a crazy life. This is insane. I get to do this, like, because sometimes it doesn't feel fun, and I talked to my therapist about that, and, like, I was, like, sitting in the chair, and I was, like, just, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cry. I have a really stressful job, and I was, like, I don't think I've, like, actually let myself say that, because it feels so, it, like, feels a little whiny, you know, because, like, I get to go race my bike around the world, which is so cool, and it's something I've wanted to do for so long but I was like, it's so
0: stressful. I was <laughs> so, <I'm> so tired. <laughs> so it's, that's an, actually a really good point. And I think there's yeah. a perception versus reality when it comes to yeah. what people are doing in their in their life, whether it is being a chef, because everybody assumes that everybody in my house eats the most amazing food all the time. Ask my wife, all the time, <laughs> <Right. It's>
1: otherwise.
0: <laughs> um, but they also think that being a professional athlete is you know it's easy there's this magic silver bullet that gets you to that level i mean you yes. work really really hard to get where you are now i mean you have a yeah. degree you you live in durango you made a conscious choice to be in durango and you've really accomplished a great deal of things but the most important thing for me which i think m- makes a lot of people gravitate towards you is that the infectious level of fun and smile you always bring to the events, no matter how shit ass we're all feeling, you make us laugh, you make everybody smile and you're still having fun no matter how much you hurt. And I think that's really, really important.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, That's gonna make me cry. (laughs) No, it's so, it's, it really is such a good, I mean, well, gosh, if you're not able to do that, and this is, you were, you met my mom, you see what a huge influence. Uh, Also, this is why we're having this conversation, because of my mother, and the human being that she is, and you know, she was such a huge, I mean, she's why I am the person I am. And she has always said, like, if you are not able to laugh at yourself to have fun I mean with anything like it, it doesn't matter if we're talking about you know uh, a desk job or whatever like if you're not able to enjoy it and and bring joy to people's lives like why the hell would you be doing it because everything is hard we are collectively as a global community having a pretty hard time right now
0: yeah <laughs> I having, having a hard
1: time you know, and I don't want to necessarily, like, we don't have to go into every reason why everything is very challenging and, and pretty, um, uh, pretty shitty, <laughs> but that's, it, it, it helps me at least remember, like, at these events, like, this is a bike race. We're trying, <laughs> we're trying to cross a finish line here. We're trying to end where we start. So that is like this level of ridiculousness that like, when I t- start taking it too seriously, I'm like, Okay, we're literally riding in a big freaking loop <laughs> like it doesn't we're not even we're not even like getting somewhere like it's just this thing that, that that we have put importance on and and truly the the important part at least to me is like and the coolest piece for me is like getting to meet people like you, you know, bring my mom into it, like introduce people to, you know, at these events and then also get to meet new people like it's a weird like traveling circus so like if you're not making friends you're gonna have a pretty shitty time you're gonna be what's the like what's the sad part of the i've never been to a circus because i'm too sensitive for that but
0: (laughs) i think the shit shoveler is usually the sad part (laughs) (laughs) that's the poor guy that has to wear the the onesie that is very cool. so onesies are cool let me get onesies, me get are,
1: cool. onesies, are, onesies
0: are cool uh, but like that poor guy has to shovel elephant shit all day he's pretty <laughs> cool. so, um so let's let's kind of yeah veer off the bike a little bit i mean you've really you studied design you have yeah. a really really unique eye and i think you know it's really apparent with the rafa collab for your kit yeah collab that you've done with specialized (laughs) um it's pretty amazing that and you're seeing people now buying this kid and wanting a a matching frame to yours like how does that feel being a designer and having such great response
1: yeah man it's so like totally on the design side I'm like man how crazy like all of my different worlds because I like raced through college and like as I was studying design, like, you know, now all of it's, like, weirdly, perfectly come together, and, like, meshed together, and it's, it's so wild to see people, like, in the kit that, you know, Rafa, I got to work with their designers to, like, make this cool thing, and it's funny to see, like, both men and women wearing this, like, I mean, you should have seen some of the iterations we went through, because, like, Rafa is, like, pretty like they do their thing and like and i was just like but i love color (laughs) and patterns and we'll just put it all on one
0: (laughs) you're like we just want a band on the arm (laughs) just the band that's (laughs) it oh my god band
1: (laughs) i hope they're like yeah so we're gonna let you go
0: (laughs) have some fun this is your last season but I mean too much
1: pink for us <laughs> But
0: talk about like I mean to me that the excitement level and the amount of people who have gravitated towards your kit and yeah, it's cool. the amount of people that want the same paint scheme as your frame is huge yeah. right
1: it's awesome yeah I was so it, it's been really really special to like see the impact of like art and and design and and just like the fun that you can have with it because like I don't know bikes are such a cool medium for that and like kits it's it's fun to like see it all together and honestly Oregon Trail was like the first time that we got to see like I mean that was the first race I had done on that that was crazy they shipped they overnighted all my like the frame to a bike shop in Bend because like it was it was like up against the wire I was like yeah let's do a custom frame and and they're, I was like, but I'm doing this race, like, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, and it was just, like, crazy, like, we were shipping my parts from Durango to this shop, and the frame from Specialized to this bike shop, and I was, like, calling them, like, I apologize, this is not how I usually do these things, like, <laughs> they were laughing at me, I'm sure, and cursing me at the same time, because, you know, I'm sure they weren't busy at all, bike shops have, like,
0: Oh, they've been really slow this this past few years. They've been really slow bike shows. <laughs> they got nothing going on. No parts shortage. Oh, no.
1: no. And like before a race, you know, everyone is showing up with like a clapped out bike and like, hey, can you pre- replace my brake pads? Yeah. <laughs> Which was me last weekend, apparently. Oh, my God. To- ah.
0: <laughs> I've had to do that. I, my brake pads were toast after Oregon Trail because oh. of the dust. Oh, drivetrain. Yeah. Drive train. New chain, new cassette, toes.
1: Well, you be, I mean, you're a tall guy. Like, you you guys put some power down, and like Dylan, my partner, he's 6'6, and I don't know what guy's weigh, but like more than 100 pounds. Yes. <laughs> it's... Double, I'm double, yes. Yeah. I'm double that. <laughs> I'm assuming like 101. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? Hang hey, no, on a second. I'm just Hi, kidding. my name's Chris. <laughs> 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 If you cut me in half, yeah. I would be under one side, under the other.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you guys, I mean, you guys just go through, like, Dylan goes through like five drivetrains in a season, and I'm like, on the original, like, you guys just put more wear and tear. Going back to my point, it's more efficient to be a small person. (laughs) Sure, You can reach the top shelf, but like I am still on the original chain.
0: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Like I'm ecologically sound, you're not.
1: (laughs) Although I'm pretty convinced I eat more than
0: Dylan. That's possible. I mean, the amount of output you're doing, I would definitely (laughs) wouldn't be surprised. You know, you probably- Oh, you kicked
1: my ass in Iceland. It was his first ever like endurance gravel race. He went for one four hour ride the day before we left, and crushed me. Oh it also was God. flat as shit.
0: <laughs> I mean, so let's talk about when you were at school, right? You, yeah, your road to where you are now is not what everybody would have realized, right? Uh, talk sure. about your Devo experience. Your, do you have your baseball card to show everybody
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> i love this
1: <laughs> oh man oh wait do i have the original ones oh this isn't self-absorbed at all oh yeah let me just grab them they're right here <laughs> 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 oh,
0: here's right of myself from, right here yeah from left. <laughs>
1: Oh, you mean these?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So to kind of give everybody a little bit, Devo is an awesome organization in Durango that has, I would say, created a whole slew of superstars on the bike right now. Um, Who are your teammates? Yeah, let's, so,
1: okay. Yeah, well, wait, hold on. Okay, so. Durango, I chose to go to college there because um, I wanted to play soccer. Well, I thought I wanted to play soccer. That worked out well for me. <laughs> Didn't even make it to the tryouts.
0: Um, <laughs> Ooh, that's I, a fun, that's a cool toy. Look at that bike.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was like, Girl. Yeah, squirrel. Squirrel. Um, yeah, I just, by luck, chose at the time the top-ranked cycling Team, collegiate team in the country but it was you know it was like three hours away from where I grew up in Albuquerque and my parents were getting a divorce at the time so I wanted to be far enough but like also pretty close and Durango was perfect and it was a small liberal arts college I actually didn't know what I wanted to study pretty sure I wanted to go into oceanography was my first class so you know landlocked That's Colorado a perfect <laughs>
0: example of something to study landlocked <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're in Durango. Where's the ocean? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, to all you college kids out there, <laughs> I know my poor parents. Actually, you know what? I had looked into CIA because I really was into culinary arts, and um, I was really stoked on baking, and I wanted to—I wanted to be a pastry chef. Um, but then I decided to go to school in the mountains. Cause I was like, just something drew me. I really want to be a rock climber. I loved ice climbing and I didn't do either of those things. And then I was like, oh, I could play soccer. Cause that's, you know, what I was coming from. And then I joined the bike team. Fast forward, there's a Durango um, junior cycling program called Durango Devo started by Sarah Tesher and Chad Cheney. And when I was graduating college, I was kind of getting more into mountain biking. I was truly the worst person on the team. Like the one who Chad at like one of our, okay, wait, hold on. That's another story. But yeah, I like really like stuck to it. I sucked. I was like the person who walked over speed bumps because I was scared to go over them with my road bike and couldn't get my like water, bi- water bottle out of my water bottle cage. I was not good, and- For
0: everybody out there to kind of put this in perspective, I can never picture this as this. (laughs) Talk to Chad. Okay, because (laughs) Sarah has blown by me like I'm standing still (laughs) on descents. Like, and I'm not afraid to go downhill by any- you could. And just out of the blue, I hear, right? And they're just, boom, there she goes (laughs) in that Rafa kit. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, oh <laughs> crap. And I was moving. So to hear you say that you would have oh, gotten gosh. off the bike for a speed bump on the road is shocking to me because everybody so, progresses, but that I never expected. Progression
1: was, I don't know what, ca- I don't know. I was a lot younger. I was like 18, 19. So you're like, yeah, I want to do this. And also the main driver of everything in my life are the people. So like I met my group of friends and they all rode bikes. And so I was like, well, shit, I guess I better learn how to mountain bike. And I was so bad. I was so bad. But I do have like a natural ability to suffer. So I I like weirdly love suffering. And I, I think I always have liked that. And so like when I started like doing you know, cycling instead of like swimming and track, like track and soccer. Like those are all pretty short things, you know, like with, with mountain biking, I was like, oh, well I can go uphill. So I would speed pass everyone on the climbs and then just hold everyone up on the distance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> suffering is such a and i think there's solace in suffering right like there's that moment of like getting through it and there's an end to the means right you're pushing to get to that end and i think it's a really powerful thing
1: yeah it's cool like i i imagine like i'm not i i have way too much add to meditate i think but the form of meditation for me comes from i you just get into this like weird place of like like, my concept of time goes out the window, because it has to, like, you don't start Leadville 100 thinking, okay, only seven to ten more hours, (laughs) you know, like, you can't think about the end at all, and I think that's the only piece that I, like, was comfortable with, with all of, you know, my intro to cycling, and then I got onto this team called the Durango Devo, Sweet Elite, because we were sponsored by the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, and Chad Cheney was our coach, so that was hilarious, and he is, like, such a great, like, you know, personality for that, like, he really, there's a saying with Durango Devo, NFTF, never forget the feeling, I mean, and it's been, it's been said by now Olympians, Tour de France stage winners, you know the kids that Chad brought up through the sport. And it's, it's so true. Like you never forget the feeling of riding a bike with your friends. And, and that was kind of the ethos is the ethos of Devo. So when I got onto this, like uh, mountain bike team, this pro team, I was lining up. I mean, I, I was traveling around the country with Howard Gratz, with Sepp Goose, with Payson and McElvin, like we had, I mean, Teal, Stetson Lee was on that team, like the roster of names, like it's, on um, it's unreal. And it's, it's funny that we were all on this, like, like Rocky mountain chocolate factory mountain bike team <laughs> from sets you guys
0: all up for success. I mean, it created a, one, a bond
1: mm-hmm.
0: Two, it taught you to love the sport. Yeah, right? Like you kept saying, it's about that fun factor, right? Don't forget yeah. the fun. And I think there's something about that moment when you're a kid and you first get on a bike and you can go as far away, farthest away from your parents than you have ever been able to go. Right. And there's that freedom and there's something magic about that.
1: Mm -hmm. It's cool. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. Like there were plenty of tears shed (laughs) for, for me, like, you know, my now very, very close friend, Lauren Catlin, she's, she's since, you know, just become like, a uh, wildland firefighter and you know has a PhD in biology like she's a badass in a different way but she and I were like on this team together we were roommates at the time and we were just getting like last and second to last of all these like short track races
0: and just <sighs>
1: crying and honestly I I wouldn't trade it because you know it's it's a part of like <laughs> when you get to like the pro level too, like you have to go through all of that. Like I quit after, cause I was, you know, I remember Dylan asking me after a race, like I had, you know, moved on from Sweet Elite. I was on another local pro team and came back from, you know, getting smashed at some mountain bike race. And he was like, are you having fun? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't No, I don't think so. I like all the other parts, but I don't know if I like the racing. And so I quit and then I got a trail bike and mountain biking was fun for me. Like I actually started learning how to ride a mountain bike, not just like, oh, are you scared? Get your weight back, (laughs) crash around every flat turn. (laughs) And then, and then after that, like I came back uh, to cycling, I was like, all right, I kind of want to race. I've always loved cyclocross. Um so and we saw that single speed worlds which sounds serious but it's actually like equal parts party to racing like you have oh, to yeah. you have to be able to take a whiskey shot while you're racing is kind of like yeah. how I explain that and we saw it was in Portland so we we're like hell yeah perfect goal race My friend at the time, like super close friend of mine is like a badass coach. And I was like, yo, you want to coach me for single speed worlds? (laughs) And he was like, wow, way to pick a serious race. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he was like, yeah, no intervals were had, you know, he was just like, kind of gave me this like new way of like training and prepping, which was just enjoying riding a bike, learning some more technical skills. I raced in jorts as like a reminder to myself that like, I was choosing to be there. I wanted to have fun. The goal of this was to have fun. And yeah, it's just been kind of a wild ride ever since then.
0: (laughs) And I think, I mean, is that gonna be the new Rafa kit for you? Are you gonna have jorts made? You know
1: what? It did, when I was like talking to them, like initially about signing, I was like, well, I like to race cross and jorts. (laughs) Are you guys cool with that?
0: What did they say? (laughs)
1: They're like, yeah, but
0: you like do it. You want to get you want a good laugh. So there used to be twenty four hours of Canaan, and it was how I really started mountain bike racing was doing that. But there was a team called Huge (laughs) Ass, right? H U G H J A S S, right? So, and they were a team (laughs) that rode fixed gear mountain bikes. Now. I don't know if you ever remember the Carrera team. You remember the Carrera team? And they were sponsored by Wrangler Jeans or Carrera, whatever. But they had denim-looking shorts. Do you remember that? It, Pantani was on no. it. No. They basically shared a pair. They wore one pair of shorts and shared it through the whole team. By the end, of this, the end of the 24-hour race, they had to use a dead tube to tie the shorts on to keep them up. <laughs> And they literally would change in the baton tent where they would change the baton. It was the gnarliest thing. Can you imagine wearing so shorts? That. Oh Nothing my God, I love that so They literally were butt naked switching into these jean shorts. <laughs> it was gnarly. Oh but my God, no, that's amazing. so gross. They were, they were the most amazing, fun team to watch. Again, on cool. fixed gears, in Kinane, all mud, rocks, roots. They were the gnarliest. I don't people.
1: understand how you would do that.
0: I don't either, but this was like, I'm talking 94. This was in 94 they were doing it.
1: Gnarly.
0: It was was insanely awesome. Like super fun. Like that's.
1: And probably on like what we just, what we raced at Oregon Trail, (laughs) the bikes we raced. Like pretty much.
0: (laughs) Oh man, it was crazy time watching those guys ride. Super.
1: That's so cool. This is why I love cycling. Like there's so many weird and like, I get, like, at some point, like, it turns people off because they're like, what is cyclocross? What is gravel? What is, ma-? like, there's yeah. so many different, like, weird little niches. But it's cool. Like, you get to kind of pick your poison. Like, are you a weirdo that likes the party to race, you know, scenario? Maybe cyclocross is for you. Or do you like walking your bike uphill? Maybe mountain biking is for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you, last year, you did a crazy... And to kind of talk about that variation, you know, you won BWR, that was like, you yeah. got thrust into the limelight yeah. when you won BWR. Everybody's like, oh my God, like <laughs> this woman is the singles, single speed cyclocross champ, Came <laughs> out of nowhere mountain, but <laughs> I remember seeing and I've watched the video cause it was super funny to watch. I mean, <laughs> you look shelled when you finish, like completely, absolutely friggin' shattered. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's really interesting, like, that was a, like, that kind of threw you through the stratosphere after BWR. And oh, how did that God. feel going from that level of fun racing that you had switched to because you wanted to race for fun and have the, you know, I, I, I think the, that FKT concept of funnest known times, right, is oh, more yeah. styled than fastest known times but yet your fastest known times are still really fast. So you kind of get (laughs) to slash them both together and have fun and be fast. How did that feel to get from wanting to be the fun aspect Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden, holy shit, you smoked everybody at BWR and now you're like, everybody's just- Yeah, you know,
1: dude, that is such a, I'm so glad you asked that question because it is probably like the hardest thing now now for me 2021 where are we um it's it's a tough it's a tough line to walk because like yeah bwr was like i mean they my cross team had just folded you know like which was a bummer because like you know it's my first year racing as a sponsored athlete like truly like you know from specialized sponsored and then they were like well we're not going to do that, but like, we'll put you on our gravel team and here's a bike. It looks kind of the same as a cross bike <laughs> and then go to do this. Different. You know, they were like, do this gravel race. And I was like, what the hell? Okay. I've never even ridden that far. And I, I didn't understand. Cause like, you know, is was like a weird mix of like, it's a gravel race, but people wear road shoes and you have front train rings and you know, a bunch of stuff that I didn't really no, I mean, they were like, this is how you shift the front derailleur with like the two.
0: <laughs> that, that is priceless. So going from the day before
1: to... the race,
0: <laughs> <laughs> middle of the race, this is how you do this? What I was like,
1: oh, eh, eh. <laughs> actually when I got uh, a for my, your um, axis for my cross bikes, I thought that's how you shifted easy still and cross bikes don't really, most of them, at least mine don't have a front derailleur. So like shift hard with my right hand. And then I went to go shift easy with both hands. And Dylan, my partner is also my mechanic, which let me tell you, don't recommend that dynamic for a relationship. (laughs) I was like, Dylan, it's not shifting. I was like, it doesn't shift. Like there's something wrong. I don't know. And then we... Figured out that I was stupid and I was trying to shift easy the wrong way. Also, for you guys listening, you shift hard with your right hand, easy with your left hand. But there's not easy, hard, right. easy <laughs> hard,
0: And it makes it. You know what's great about that? It's like I'm dyslexic. That's the only reason I I'm able to use shifting. I had to discontinue using oh. because of my dyslexia, and I would always miss shift. Always. Whoa. I never Wait, was in
1: how do you do shimano shifting?
0: I didn't. I couldn't. I was awful. I literally stopped using gears and started racing single speed because of my dyslexia, because I would never. Get I, a I
1: right. bet. Well, and now, like sometimes, and this is maybe, maybe I'm dyslexic. I don't know. But uh, I'll instead of shifting easier, I'll hit my dropper post because it's also. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I still I have one of it's those cool
1: guys I'm a pro <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still I have a dropper post but I'm still like
1: oh dude you got to use it you're a tall I, guy
0: oh, what a real seat post back in oh there.
1: you are one of those OG.
0: I'm a hard tail guy I
1: know you dude a hard with the dropper post is literally the most fun bicycle okay
0: ever. well we'll we'll have that my <laughs> conversation <laughs> on the bike when you and I can move around and maybe you can I know them. I
1: cannot wait I can't wait. Oh, yeah. But, so,
0: so let's get back to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, so, that so, into yeah, I,
1: finished, I finished BWR only because it was such chaos at the start that I didn't, I literally didn't, I thought I was losing for like more than 50% of that race. Like I had no idea where any of the women, like you have them, it's a mass start, you know, like everyone, I think it was my first like mass start race too. Like you're with men, with women. There's like thousands of people, it's an open California highway. It was so scary. It was so scary. And then they send you around a cone, do a U-turn. Oh yeah. 2000 people do a U-turn around a cone <laughs> and then you file into single track. And I was like, cycle cross and like running like with my bike <laughs> and probably passed like a bunch of dudes and, and ended up, you know, weirdly winning that race, um, which truly was like just as surprising to me as it was to everybody else and like I heard like I crossed the finish line and I was like heard the announcer like and (laughs) looking through their pages like Sarah.
0: (laughs) You were not prepared for that.
1: No I was like yeah it's sick and then and then yeah after that that was a big that was a uh a big win because people are like, Who the hell is this? And I, you know, won a crit at sea otter on my gravel bike the week before. Yeah, the week before or something. Oh, truly, purely out of fear. Once again, I was terrified of crits. I hadn't raced one since college and just like went off the front and <laughs> no one chased me down. Because one, who the hell is this chick? Two, she's on a gravel bike, like she'll come back. <laughs> <sighs>
0: anyway so like but what did what did that do like how much did that change everything so yeah about? yeah And i think that's really important because you know you worked really hard to get there things yeah. don't happen for an accident like it's not just right. Let me, that happened so i think it's it's really important because yes. there's a lot of young ladies that look up to you there's you know you mentor kids in durango you mentor a whole yeah. slew of women but they all there are so many people that look up to you and say, how did she get, how did she do it? Because, you know, little kids, they always want to, they're, they're heroes. And I think it's really important that they understand how much work time and energy you put in.
1: Thank you. Cause okay. Along with like people not knowing who the hell I was, it's not like I was new to the sport. Like I have been riding consistently a lot, like prioritizing it in my life through desk. I mean, I've had nine to fives. I've had like my, my professional career as a graphic designer was also going on at the time, like through all of this. So like, you know, when I was talking about like Sweet Elite, like I had just gotten my first design job in Durango, luckily. And like, you know, I was adjusting to working 40 hours, but I always rode my bike a ton. Like I would, I was still coaching. I I wasn't like new, like it's not like I showed up to BWR like, what's a bike? Like, sure, I'm an idiot and don't know how to shift things, but like (laughs) I had been riding and racing a lot. Like I had I had a lot of time spent on bicycles. And like actually, like, you know, I I had been doing like Enduros, which is my mom called me when I was like doing my first enduro and I was trying to explain what they were. And this is on a mountain bike, a trail bike. And, and I, she was like, okay, so let me get this straight. They're timing. You ride uh, all day, but they don't time the climbs. They only time the, aren't you bad at the descents? Like why are they only timing the descents? <laughs> So they're timing the thing you're bad at. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've lost a lot. I'm pretty sure I was last place at an EWS in Rotorua, New Zealand, which for the record, I had no business being there at that race, but I, you know, I, I, I've raced a lot of different bikes and like had a lot of different experiences. I just now am starting to finally come in. I, I timed it perfectly, you know, this, this genre of riding that isn't road racing it's not mountain biking it's endurance gravel racing which is like a weirdly perfect combination for my abilities of like suffering for many hours being technical enough to like suit me but not so technical so it's not like a EWS that you know you have to be able to huck a gap jump to be competitive (laughs) but I let me say I'm really good at running (laughs) with a trail bike and a full face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would love to see a picture of that. I think uh, that's amazing.
1: And and I will like, also, I want to like, just put this in there. Like I, you know, Dylan is the opposite type of cyclist to me in that he is a competitive enduro racer. Like he wins the events that I get last at. And so we would sign up for like the TransBC enduro, which is like a six day, gnarly enduro event and I like being competitive I like being in those environments even though I was like at the back of the pack and I never looked at a result it because that took the fun out of it for me and I had this moment where like everyone I felt like everyone had hit the and they're blind like you don't get to pre-ride anything there was this gap step up jump at the end of the day, it's like we've done eight hours of riding and racing at that point. And it's like the last stage, and people are like drinking beer. And there's this like terrifying feature that I like had no, like I had no confidence going on. And you know, Dylan was like, just don't break. And I was like, cool, that's not helpful at all. I, I'm going to break at the last worst possible moment and like probably endo into the pit where you're like jumping over. So I like ran around mortified so embarrassed filled my like goggles up with tears got on the bike crossed the line went straight into like the you know the hotel room and I was just like like I don't deserve to be here and I just had this like weird moment of like all right I could either I'm gonna be last I'm probably gonna be last at this is not the thing that I am naturally good at but I can either be last and have a pity party and try to convince everyone how shitty I am and like how I don't deserve to be here or I could be last and have a ton of fun and meet some people. And that was like a really important moment for me as a human and as a bike racer and as a bike rider and as, you know, someone's partner too. Like that was a fun event for Dylan and I didn't want to take away from that. And I think that that has served me really well going in to, you know, thrust into this life of gravel racing because like I, i've been really bad at stuff too i've known what that feels like and now i can really appreciate like the hard work like i i train a ton like i work really hard to to be where i'm at but i also have to ba- i have to balance that out with other things in my life cuz i like, i am not Olympic material in that I can't just solely focus on just being an athlete. I like having a career as a graphic designer. I like mentoring kids from you know the design program at Fort Lewis onto their next careers. I like having that even though it adds so much more chaos and busyness to my life. Like it helps me, maintain what you were exactly getting at at the beginning of this convert or this question five hours ago before i started talking about it <laughs> but it all like plays into that piece because it's really hard for me to find that balance sometimes like sometimes i notice that i like i want to win like <laughs> like i want to have that level of focus but like where is that line because Having fun and being a good role model is so, so important to me. And I can only do that by sticking true to like who I am as a person. And it's really hard to remember who you are as a person through, you know, chasing something you're passionate about because you can get pulled in a lot of different directions, which is why I need some downtime because it's hard when you're like in this circus to see what, you know, because you're like top step of the podium, that's what matters. And it isn't. All you kids out there.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's actually really, you know, the let's talk about Wahoo Frontiers and that documentary they yeah. did, which I think is really great because it shows all the different things that you do, right? It showed your design, but it showed the kids that you work with. You're constantly mentoring young ladies yeah. in cycling and it's super fun. Like they... It's, they're so funny. <laughs> they're funny... And they're excited, but like yeah. you are that bright light to them that brings the moths to the, to the light, right? And I think that that's, and I hate to use that analogy but it's like you really, you're that beacon for them. And oh. because you keep the fun level so high but, and but also you teach them to understand success, failure, determination, uh, and, and love for the outdoors. And I think those and, are.
1: And each other, you know, I think the biggest thing, you nail that like the biggest thing riding with the kids, it honestly, like, I mean, skills wise, they all <laughs> blow me out of the water. Like, honestly, I'm like, wait at the next turn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what's the age? I think that's really like a really interesting thing. So,
1: I mean, I've coached like junior Devo. I've coached u 14. Um, like when I was in college, I coached the younger kids mainly because there was no way I was going to be able to keep up with the older ones and and now I I really love coaching U19 um, which is you know basically from like 16 to 18 um, like until they go to college if they choose to go to college and then um, I help out with the college cycling team as well and I love I love that age because they're all like They are just on the brink of like, you know, kind of starting to figure out like who they are as individuals in the world. And like, man, I, it just brings back so many memories of like how hard it is to be like, I mean, I can only speak to like being a teenage girl and, and it's tough to like find friends and finding friends in sport is also super hard. Like I, you know, my best friend and I always played soccer together and she was, way more talented than I was. And I remember how painful, how painful that was. Like it was so hard and like, and we maintained our, I mean, she's my best friend to date. Like she lives in uh, Nashville and, and we weathered a lot together. And that's the thing that I like, I feel like I actually can speak to with these girls, like, okay, like, yeah, sure. All this drama is happening and these boys and like so-and-so won, but I was like, you got to stick in it together. You know, like you girls are the only ones who understand how it feels to finish this race. So like lean on each other, like support each other, like stay at the end of the race. If you win, you cheer on the person, you know, your teammate who's getting 10th, 15th last, I don't care. Like that's the, that is the hardest part of being a teenager i think is understanding like how to how to have friends and like how to support each other and these kids are incredible like they're yeah they're it's it's like by far like the coolest part of the things that i do
0: that's awesome well i, I have to say like you know we're out there racing in, or i mean you were racing in oregon i was we were all racing in oregon <laughs> it was it was kind of like a race of attrition for myself yeah, but for I, all of us. you know i think the the that mentality that you're bringing to those girls is what you are bringing to everybody at Oregon yeah. you were cheering on everybody you were making everybody feel good and I think that that's a really really powerful message to teach because it's sportsmanship it's camaraderie and I think there needs to be more of that in sport right. yes you want to yeah. you know perfect example you and Serena duking yeah. it every day but then yeah. after like did you biff that corner because that corner was really, you know, and it's like that conversation piece for me was really fun to see it from the outside. Yeah. And that, yeah, that relationship I, was just awesome.
1: I mean, it was cool. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm so glad you brought that up. Serena and I have known each other for a long time now, but only in the last couple of years through gravel, you know, we've gotten to like really bond and connect and through COVID, you know, we, as everyone was, we were both having a really hard time with, you know, just Aspects of being a human being, but also a bike racer and trying to figure out like what to do. And, you know, we connected on some like, you know, mental health stuff and bounced ideas of therapists to work with. And, you know, like I I think all of that going into a race together and like, you know, she and I were competing, you know, on multiple stages with the next to each fiercely,
0: other. fiercely, let me put it. Yes, and there.
1: it was tight. Like we were seconds on the GC and um you know we have like similar strengths but like I would say she's a much stronger descender and a much better technical rider and I'm a little bit better of a climber you know but she does really well in the heat and like but then we were like how much food are you bringing are you doing a pack today like what are you wearing (laughs) (laughs) well that That, but but also sharing food like what you brought to that event and the community. I mean my that was like highlight my the reason my mom came with me is like we were planning a road trip when COVID happened like she and I she took my sister to Europe my sister is maybe a little smarter I'm like let's go in a bus across the country in a heat wave (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that was that was a special time for my mom and I and actually we camped out in the bus in Serena's parents driveway before the race like Serena helped connect us you know with her and then my mom is a a, she makes jewelry she's a metalsmith she gave Serena's mom a pair of handmade earrings and like it just was like everything was like so beautifully coming together and then when we met you and you were like cooking for us and gave us this beautiful knife that I'm terrified to use because it's so awesome and sharp and great um you know it was all like sharing stories around you know the table the camp table the bus your van food and like all of you know serena and i like eating out of like truly like probably not even talking about the race in fact never i don't think we
0: really talked about there was a lot of talk about tire pressure and (laughs) are you riding don't ever forget henry
1: just setting up my tires
0: (laughs) henry too much your tires are too too
1: (laughs) (laughs) he didn't even tell me he was like your tires are fine go yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Which was amazing.
1: To, the, to date, I don't even know what PSI I ran for Oregon
0: Trail. I mean, he's the master. Like, I I reached out to him because I have an event. This oh, week it's
1: hugely week. important.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I should know what I'm. I think it was twenty eight.
0: I think it was. I think he did keep telling you twenty eight. I do recall that. I <laughs> I think that was the number. So, speaking of food, right? Let's talk about you know. That was one big discussion that we kept having at Oregon like what yeah. am I eating? Why can't I continue to eat on the bike? And mm-hmm. there was a lot of debate on you need to eat more and you need to eat this and don't eat that because it's going to hurt you yes. later and yeah. Like you you just were in Iceland. Phew. And you had some interesting <laughs> i was pushing you to have okay you fried puffin with... okay
1: i thought you were joking until peter stetna at the end we had been there for over a week at this point he was like yo we're gonna go try to find puffin and i was like wait i thought chris was joking
0: nope i was We just come
1: from puffin island it's not called puffin island that's just what i called it
0: it's, it was, a oh it's a bird. It's a bird that lives there. I mean, if you think about it, every, every culture has Wait, their animals, but...
1: It's a very cute bird.
0: So are quail. So are quail. <laughs> right? I mean...
1: I don't have pictures of quail on my camera.
0: <laughs> well, I did send you a good picture to make you not like Puffin as much. <laughs> so you would try one. <laughs> oh
1: my God. So then it became this whole thing. I was like, okay, I have to do this for Chris. Like, we have to find Puffin. So then we end up trying to go to this super fancy restaurant and we like walk in and like, our, like, you know, we had just <laughs> been in Iceland for a week camping and then did this like heinous race. So we look pretty haggard, I'm sure. And we like a group of like six walk into this restaurant and we are like, can we have a table? We want to try to puff it. And they're like, yeah, no, you needed a reservation for like weeks. <laughs> so then we find this like, authentic icelandic restaurant that serves like all these dishes puffin was not one of them because apparently that's like a fancier icelandic dish but they did have fermented shark uh.
0: the videos that i saw uh <laughs> it was meredith that was there with you right <laughs> of her trying to hold it down and Desperately begging for alcohol to like, <laughs> was amazing. And I watched that laughing hysterically, knowing that you guys.
1: Oh, I tagged you in it.
0: I know. Because we the were like, to I Chris. Point, <laughs> I was like, why didn't you guys ask me? Like, I told you to eat puffin. I didn't tell you to eat fermented shark. That stuff's no, but We were
1: so disappointed to disappoint you <laughs> with the puffin. that were like the only redemption. And guess who ordered it? Not me, not Pete, not Meredith. Dylan next to me was like, we got to get the shark. And so he orders shark for the table. And was it huge? Was it like a
0: huge portion?
1: No, this is the funniest part. It was like a tiny little, because they were like, oh, these stupid Americans. Hopefully they thought we were Canadians, honestly, because that's the question that everyone asked. And I'm like, yeah, Canadian. (laughs) 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 But they give us this tiny little ramekin and it has like, six toothpicks in it with these like teeny tiny little samples of shark, which makes me feel better. Cause like, you know, it's, I like shark. I love shark week. Um, <laughs> and they give you a shot of, what is it called? Brennan's?
0: Brent. I don't know that exact, I can't.
1: It's, it sounds, it's like their type of spirit basically, which it's
0: like actually,
1: it's like, it's kind of nice. It's like a less bitey gin. It's like less shampooy gin. Um,
0: I wouldn't consider shampoo shampooing. I, I, I do to not like gin. No? Uh,
1: no, it's actually the one, like, booze that I can't. Mm-mm. Anyway, so they give you a shot to chase the shark with. And all of us were like, I just had to send it, like, before anyone did it. Because I was like, if I think about this for a second, it's like jumping off, you know, into water when you're scared. I was like, whoop. <laughs> like just ate the shark really quick and then everyone was like <laughs> and we ate the shark and then you know you chase it with this shot and meredith was like <laughs>
0: the video of, of meredith was priceless because she, she she couldn't get the booze fast enough the reaction to her her well, nostrils she turned bright, red.
1: <laughs> she was, It
0: nostrils awesome video. i didn't
1: have like the gag thing going but it did taste like dirty like rubber socks that were like soaked in like maybe formaldehyde. So my question
0: to you is: is how do you know what dirty socks that make rubber <laughs> smell like formaldehyde tastes like? I mean,
1: so I talked about the secret of winning BWR. It's the really <laughs> <a> dirty socks.
0: <laughs> You're not one of those athletes that drink out of your shoes right after you win. A...
1: What is that? I saw that. as like a thing. What That's is that? nasty? No it's nasty. nasty
0: nasty don't do don't do that you don't, don't have to drink out that. of your shoes i mean you couldn't drink out of your shoes after oregon at one point during uh, during oregon when i was riding on the pavement i took off my shoes and poured a half a cup of sand out.
1: oh yeah back it was, on. Uh, your shoes aren't the same after a race like five days that's a hard for everyone out there i hope people are listening to like and like getting you know tips and tricks but really like the one thing, sign up for Beat Out or for Oregon Trail, like that. That was awesome. I, I don't know. I think that show was maybe harder than Lead Boat.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm definitely wanting to go back.
1: It's like adult summer camp. The best yeah. part is the camping.
0: I think the camping definitely leads to that. Hopefully, it won't be 112 next year.
1: Oh my god. Oh, Chad, really? Like, I can't believe. I mean, I can because that dude is like the guy that puts it on. He's amazing amazing i mean honestly like sure i won but like all i had to do was like go race he was like organizing thousands of pounds of ice backup like i mean he Everything. made a gnarly like logistical nightmare happen amidst a heat wave in a pandemic Yeah. hello that's why i, meet, I mean I, I already signed up for next year
0: <laughs> yeah i'm like i, I want to do it again and what's yeah. really funny is if it wasn't for henry and his magic pantyhose filled with ice. Oh my god. to us and come running up behind, like literally moto up behind us, pull our jersey open, drop oh. the pantyhose with ice. If it wasn't for Henry, I think I would have died out there if he stroke.
1: A lot of people would have <laughs> perished, I think.
0: Yeah, there was there was definitely some moments out there. Oh wait,
1: sorry. Yeah. Going back to the shark thing. Yeah. What was the gross thing you told me about shark? After I'm like describing eating it. Oh
0: yeah, shark, shark doesn't uh, yeah, shark exudes, um, it has a lot of uric acid in it, like skate, so it exudes through its skin, its urine. So it's definitely has a aroma.
1: So Really, we uh, we had pee-pee socks. We had pee-pee shark socks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so gross. Wait a second, I don't even want to comment. We're just gonna oh. re, we're gonna push that on right the side, okay? Oh. So one of the things that's really interesting that you do, which is, you know, let's, I mean, you design your, cool van exterior you've you know you did the jersey you did the bike you rode leadville on a metal bike which most people aren't doing anymore you rode an aluminum frame which was so fun
1: it was so cool i'm not even just like my friend who works at specialized i saw her in the airport um, after this last race and she was like actually christopher blevins sister um kaylee blevins who was also on that sweet elite team um, and she's now going to med school. Um, but she was like, so how, like, really, how was that? Like, was it just like a marketing thing Was Specialized? Did they just not have a bike for you? And I was like, no, I had a choice. I wanted to ride the alloy frame. I thought it was cool, mainly because the people who designed that bike, it was not a custom painted bike for me. You could buy that one online. I just thought it was super dope. And it just ended up matching the bus and my kit perfectly but it was so cool I love I also love riding that racing that bike because a lot of the kids I coach with Devo they race the chisel or they ride on the chisel because it's a you know an alloy hardtail it's not like a ten thousand dollar S-Works bike that I don't think kids necessarily need to start on an S-Works you know And it's something that their parents can, like, upgrade if they're, like, into it. Like, if they are really stoked on racing, like, get a pair of carbon wheels if you want to save up for that. Or, like, you can, like, there's steps to, like, upgrading a piece of equipment instead of just, like, you know, starting with.
0: Spending the full shidonky-donk right off the bat to find out you don't really love it. And I think that's a really important point. Like, it's not always about the equipment. No. You you build on yourself. It's, like. Totally. The other day I said to somebody, you know, just because you ran your dog around the block twice doesn't mean you can go show up and win the Boston Marathon. You need to train and work towards these things, right? So whether yeah. it's where you have a starter bike and you build upon that, and as you get more yeah. comfortable with it, you get more comfortable with the sport, you upgrade these parts. Yeah. Just like you said. I,
1: and I honestly, I think that that hopefully is the way of the future. If anything, we've learned from these heat waves, these wildfires, the pandemic, like there are things happening in our world that we do have control over. And you don't necessarily need new equipment every single year, the newest thing, you know, fashion industry is huge in this, you know, like dry, we're actually trying to figure out how to make the bus biodiesel. And like, there are things, There are small things you can do. Like, do we need the newest thing or can we just make some upgrades? Like like, wasting is, like, a part of the the picture that I, you know, that drives me crazy, like, I'm stoked to have, like, Hydro Flask on board, because, like, now I, like, get to travel with, like, zero waste, like, we don't have, like, I have people put my, like, salad in this, like, container thing, (laughs) like, I mean, I look like a crazy person for sure, but hopefully it's more and more normalized of, like, all right, let's, like, using like two-year-old equipment is okay. Like we don't need the newest, shiniest thing. And I, I'm sure people are gonna be like hypocrite because like <laughs> I'm always raising and I kind of am. It's a little hypocritical.
0: <laughs> no, but I think it's a, it's a really valid point because not everybody needs to get the newest. Like, you know, yeah. it's always about taking care of what you have, Yes, making it have yes. longevity you if sometimes there's things in life that if you spend more from the get-go right don't buy something that's disposable buy something that has longevity
1: yeah like the fast fashion thing that also like happens in in cycling like i know people like scoff at like super expensive bib shorts but like if if you're riding a ton like buy something of quality like there's a ton of really great high-end brands out there that make stuff or like have a repair program like I love I love that I think Patagonia is leading the way for sure for sure like their worn wear stuff like but you know what companies are really catching on and like making making that a thing and like I would say just like purchase with like good customer service like that is that is like Top of the line, like box. You need to check. Like, do they have a good customer service program? Like, can you talk to somebody about if your gear breaks? La la la. You know, all all of that. Plus, lowering the barrier to entry in the sport. I think it's important to show that. Like, I don't know what I told my what I told Specialized when they asked me if I wanted to do the alloy, and I was like, look, the difference between me winning that race or not winning, or getting on the podium or not, is not going to be about the equipment. That is gonna be about like how I show up. And oh, I want to tell you about the float tank thing I did before that. What? Yeah, sorry, but I don't I know that ADD. Yeah, we so all, just remind me. Remind me okay, that I, right, kind of remind you. Of-
0: so you know, a lot of the things that you do, you have a, a philanthropy component that you work with, and that's outride, correct? Yeah. And you wanna talk a little bit about outride because I think it's really yeah. A lot of folks out there, um, you see, like for instance, Pete Sagan outrides and people have a chosen thing that they choose to outride. And I think it's a really amazing organization that's based here in Northern California that you're a participant in. And there's multiple yeah. athletes all over the globe that participate in that. And and I think they're doing things that really, um, that affect you and I dramatically, uh, our ADHD that- yeah you know, is a huge part of what we are and who we are that has made us be the six, you know, given us the success that we've hoped for, but also Mm -hmm. we have to learn to rein it in. And I think Outride is a really great message.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting program, like how it started, you know, Mike Sinyard has ADD and he wanted like a way to like give back into the community like obviously from like a middle school and high school level like making bike programs more accessible you know giving kids outlets in school to like get outside to do something to get rid of like a lot of this extra energy and then it's kind of over the years transformed into this platform of like you know they use people like pros and ambassadors to the sport to share like the things in their life that they outride, the things that they use a bicycle to overcome, which I love that messaging because at the end of the day, that's kind of like all of us find the bike in different ways and use it for different reasons. A huge reason I ride a bike is mental health for sure. And so I think we can do a blanket statement of that. I think a lot of a lot of cyclists use it as a way to release energy, whether or not you, know, you are anxious, depressed, distracted, whatever. Like it's a it's a great release. And at one issue with cycling is that it there's a barrier to entry. It's an expensive piece of equipment. And so it's a grant program as well. So like if you're a middle school, I think it's just middle schools right now. I need I can't remember. I think you can also like apply for some grants for other programs. Um, so like if you're a high school or uh, a NICA league, you know, you can be, you can receive some money through the outright grant. Um, but they're really aiming at putting these programs um, in PE classes in schools. So like giving, you know, they donate, you know, 10, 20 bikes to a PE program in a middle school. Like I, I mean, I didn't, my dad rode bikes growing up, but like there was not, we had like dodgeball and tetherball. <laughs>
0: yeah we had, we were pretty much the same thing there it was- would
1: be crazy to like get to like I mean ride a mountain bike for like your middle school PE class and and I hope like I can't wait to see like this has just started the last like five years no fewer like three maybe three or four um and it'll be cool to see like what kids like come up through these programs and they're like not just in like mountain towns. Cause like, obviously like Devo, Durango Devo, like we're in the middle of the mountains, like mountain biking is so accessible here. If you're like, I mean, even if you're in Albuquerque, like where I grew up, like you have to drive to like, there are mountain bike trails, but like, or in the Midwest, like there's all these programs that like mountain biking isn't necessarily accessible, but like riding a bike is like, whether it's commuting or like going out with your friends, like, you know, old school style like paper route. <laughs> like I that doesn't that. there's like there's that doesn't really exist r- anymore, really. Like there's, you know, the internet in everyone's pocket. And you know, I, I do kind of worry about that, but it's cool to like be able to like see those programs in in like middle schools all over the country.
0: One of the things that I think has been a really hot topic right now is the equality of price purse and right. women's and men's cycling. And I think, you know, I personally find that I think the women's events are way more fun to watch way more intense. Um, but also the camaraderie level is really, really high. Have you seen a dramatic change in that? Are you seeing the, are you seeing it go in the direction that you and your fellow athletes Uh, female athletes across the playing field have seen a a positive change or are you seeing it wishy wash what what are you seeing right now
1: wait say that again
0: sorry did i freeze that happens Yeah.
1: Um,
0: are you seeing with in regards to women's cycling the prize purse being equalized but are you seeing the what you and your fellow female athletes have been looking for which is equal prize purse equal um, marketing equal, uh, media and press relations. Are you feeling that that's hitting the point that it should be, or do you think it still has a long way to go?
1: Oh man, we still have a long way to go. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be like negative about it. Cause I think there have been like really positive steps made for sure. Like there are, oh, I would say all of the races that I've done have had equal payout which like rewind like even five years ago, I don't think that that would have been the case, which like, I can't imagine lining up and, and we're doing the same distance, you know, like it's the, it's the same race out there. Um, and so like, actually when I won BWR, I got more money <laughs> than Pete Stetna that year. Like they had a bigger prize purse for the women than they did for the men. So that, yeah. I think we've made... And I can't speak to, to like roadside, like I don't really know those scenes. Like I think um, Trek-Segafredo is the only like pro tour team that pays their women's salary equal to men. So we have a lot of work to do in that regard. Like there's a lot of pro like, and gosh, I'm sure like you'll have people comment on this and they're like, so-and-so team does this. Like, I, I hope there's more that's just the one that I like not knowing very much about that world. So I think we have a lot of, a lot of work to do in, in that space as well. But then like the media coverage is tough because like, and we've seen some stuff recently, like there, we just get different coverage. Like they, they comment on different things in our race. Like, and part of that is because they're you know, there's a a stacked, like top of the field, like maybe the top 10, top 15, top 20, maybe is super competitive. And then there's like a significant drop off of like, everyone after that, like, you know, they're not able to put everything into you know, being a professional cyclist. So they're like juggling motherhood, you know, full-time careers, like everything else that comes before cycling. And then, you know, you have like the top, five percent of us women are like you know m- like me and Rose Grant for example like even Mariah the woman who got second at Leadville she works at specialized like she has a full-time 40 hour week I'm assuming job granted it's at a bike company and I I would hope that <laughs> she gets some leeway on that but like there's just there's not a ton of support coming so like w- there aren't enough women out there that have the support, so like we can have like an extremely deep field of like professional women, you know, if that makes sense. I don't know if I, I just like blah, 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 like stumbled across like through. Well, I all think of that,
0: that that's also a really relevant point. I think I think it's just as interesting to hear about a mom. Oh yeah, like look at Laura King <laughs> and who's racing at that level. I think that goes yeah. so much, and to me. I, I want to hear that story just as much yeah. as I want to hear it about duking yeah. duking it out. And that to me shows there's more going on on one side than there. You know, it's like, yes, there needs yes. to be more of that inclusivity in, in the in the uh, in the media right now, sharing that appropriate information, because that's going to inspire another person and another person that says, yes. well, you know what she just raced against. Sarah and Serena and Rose and yep. you know there's you know Laura King you know Laura King's a mom she runs her own event she's got a full time and Rose party. is a mom <laughs> and Rose is the mom they like yeah uh, the kind of things that I think are rad right yes but I also don't I don't want to see the media focus on well maybe they could have done a little bit better if they weren't focusing more on their child like that's the thing mm-hmm. I never want to hear or never want to see. I want to hear yeah. them focus on the positive aspects yes. of how hard and the decisions that they've made to get to the top of their game while being a mom, while mm-hmm. being a full-time employee, while being so, a professional athlete.
1: That's so, that's so interesting. I'm glad that you brought this up. Cause actually like what I, what I want to clarify is I'm not saying I wish there were more like pro women who were able to just be cyclists. That's actually like the complete opposite and you nailed it. Like, women's racing is inherently different than men's if you look at the women's field like a lot of us have you know college degrees or like side careers or you know other other components that we're putting into our lives like from motherhood and phds to you know whatever like all of these other components there are there are fewer women that are just purely a hundred percent athletes. And, and this is at by no means like throwing shade their way. Cause I, there's no, like that sounds so hard to me. Like that sounds, all of it is really hard, <laughs> but you're totally, you're totally right. Like the women's field is just, it's so rich with these other components of these women's lives. Like there's so much else that goes on behind like crossing the the finish line or riding a bike like that's why I love going like at the last best ride we had a women's brunch and we went like before the race and we went around and like we learned like what like what inspired people to get into cycling like what they do for their jobs and it was like all over the place and it was so interesting because we all kind of connected you know sure about bikes but like women are just like these multifaceted like Creatures, and I think that that is the piece that I would love to see, like more media stories. Like, look at these incredible athletes that are performing at the highest possible level. They also, like, you know, like Rose has a daughter, like (laughs) Laura has a daughter. Like, I'd love to to hear about, and not just motherhood. Like, some women choose not to have children, and that's great. But also, I was just talking to you know my sponsor at Specialized. Like, if I decide to have children as a professional. Athlete, that is a really different decision for me than it is for like my male counterpart. Like that, that puts me off of a bicycle for a very long time. Just, I mean, not only with like pregnancy, but like breastfeeding and caring for an infant. Like it looks so different for women. And I think that's why I go back to say women's racing is so different than men's. And I I personally find it really interesting and way more entertaining. So I, I, pretty much exclusively just, like, follow women's cycling, like, and then you have, like, on the World Cup mountain bike level, I don't know if any, if you've been watching that, wildly entertaining. It is, it is so awesome to watch those women compete on the World Cup level, and The speed is
0: astronomical, the, the microphone. And it's
1: entertaining, it's not just one, I mean, it's all of them, and it's
0: it's flipping and flopping, and who's ahead, who's behind, but also, there's all these micro stories about who they are and what's going on in their lives. And I think yeah. that's really, really, really important.
1: Yeah. And and that's, I guess that through <laughs> a million words that I just vomited out. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like the racing itself is really different and dynamic in a different way. And the camaraderie at the line is super different in like a really awesome way. <laughs> and then you also like have all of these stories and like all of these different components that is a part of like, you know, our, our story as an individual. Like, I think it's, it's super cool. Like I feel really lucky to be a woman in sport because, you know, it's something, it's a way I've always like connected with other people. And, and, you know, um, I, oh my God, at at, uh, Kika Randall, she was at, at, the last best ride and she's was on the gold medal winning team for nordic racing at the Olympics and the story about that whole team having this amazing camaraderie and like the path that they had to the Olympics of working together towards this goal that only two of them was going to make this one team and you know they worked together and they had like personality tests done so they learned about each other cuz you know they raced for 4 months together a chunk of time. Like they, they like ship off to Europe and do all their like European racing and they're living together through the U S ski team. And they like had these personality tests done to like, okay, so-and-so does this after race, she needs some downtime. So-and-so like maybe needs some accolades. Like, you know, they learned their personalities and like, they learned about each other and it just brought them like so closely together and she said that like when they won the gold medal at the olympics it really was kind of just like the cherry on top of this experience that they got to have as a as a team as a unit and they worked their asses off physically but also as this team component you know and i thought that that like i'm so excited to have connected with her and you know i look up to her as a mentor and she's also like a cancer survivor a mother like it's not just in cycling like it's it's across the board like it's such a cool thing you know to get to connect to these women that have these incredible stories and they're just incredible people
0: and i think that's what that's what really is the bigger picture right there's more to somebody than just the bike and how fast they can go yes so i have commanded a lot of your time today we're gonna do this quick (laughs) game that i do with everybody okay so there is no wrong answer There's a a rapid fire of questions, so are you ready? Oh,
1: goody. (laughs) All
0: right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Espresso or cappuccino? Cappuccino. (laughs) Red or white wine?
1: Ooh, red.
0: Tequila or whiskey?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. It used to be just whiskey for sure, Hundred percent, but now I think it's tequila, which is a weird shift. Those are very different
0: tequila. Mm. I can't drink either. I can't drink anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't know that's a whole different
0: right, idea. I know. So, um, <laughs> pasta or noodles?
1: What? What's the difference?
0: Well, pasta traditionally Italian noodles, being uh, Asian noodles, with like a rice noodle, ramen, oh. or, almond or um, a dan dan noodle noodles. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> hamburger hot dog.
1: Oh, hamburger.
0: <laughs> ketchup or mustard?
1: Ew, mustard for sure.
0: Okay. Dijon or deli mustard? Dijon. Good answer. The last five, the last five folks have said ketchup and I've just cringed. I'm like,
1: <laughs> I had some like homemade, like we went to like a really bougie restaurant in Snowmass. Oh my God. They had this thing called a billionaire margarita. It was $1,500. What the? I, what, 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 I didn't order it.
0: Really? I could have never understood why. You couldn't have swiped the, swiped the <laughs> senior, senior card. Uncle. You senior. can put this
1: on Rafa's tab.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rafa tab, please. Yeah. I'm sure that would. But they had good,
1: good. They had like homemade ketchup like house made and it it was good I just don't love the sugar in it it's like a I think
0: weird... that's the thing originally yeah. ketchup was made to prevent scurvy
1: does it have vitamin c yeah
0: tomato so it was a it was a scurvy per, per, and 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 ketchup was multiple different things it wasn't always tomato it was fruits it was tons of different things and it was made to survive the ship when you're crossing the ocean I want
1: to do Another podcast with you where we only talk about food because I oh, like learning yeah. about all you do of
0: that this. anytime. <laughs> um, okay, nigiri or sashimi?
1: Ooh, sashimi.
0: Okay, sea urchin caviar.
1: I like caviar more than sea urchin. The so sea urchin is a weird, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a weird, that's a. Uh... That's a weird texture on my tongue. It tastes like a little bit of the vomit.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Texture wise. Chocolate or fruit. Say that again.
0: Chocolate or fruit? Oh, chocolate. <laughs> okay. Milk chocolate or bitter chocolate?
1: Ooh. Mm, I would say most of the time milk chocolate.
0: It's interesting. That's such a that's such a dependent. I get it so many different answers on I that. I know.
1: Like sometimes I'm really in the mood for like a bitter chocolate. But I would say, like, most of the time, I'm just like, I want sugar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Oatmeal or yogurt for breakfast?
1: Oh, mm. neither on race day. It's just shoving that into my gullet. Um, probably oatmeal, like a good, like, grainy, mm. like, yummy. Mm-hmm. With, like, I like the mixture of textures. Yogurt's just like, but. <laughs> It's like drinking, like, <laughs> or like eating just like a normal, like soup without like any, like, I like soup more than like a, I don't know if it's a bisque or a soup, but textures, you know,
0: you like texture. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the last two, your favorite junk food. What's your favorite? I mean, does
1: mac and cheese count?
0: <laughs> I think, well, are you making it from scratch or does it come from a box?
1: No, oh, I love Annie's mac and cheese.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's a guilty pleasure. There's nothing, you know, there is no bad.
1: Or a double stuff Oreo. I love double stuffed Oreos.
0: Do you do you tear them apart and eat the stuffing? Or do you eat the whole yeah, thing? Yeah,
1: I'm not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so funny.
1: Just a cookie at once.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh my god. Or like
1: dipping it in milk. Like I can't I honestly I don't enjoy Oreos as much without milk.
0: Really? Mm.
1: I like the yeah, I like it.
0: <laughs> okay, the last one. Nachos or a quesadilla.
1: Oh, that's tough. Nachos.
0: <laughs> Loaded with cheese and everything? Or
1: oh oh yeah. If it's just like, yeah, I like all the different like bougie tacos, I love.
0: Who doesn't like, who doesn't like good tacos?
1: Cause you get, it's like, it's like a game of Jenga too. <laughs> like
0: putting all the stuff on Taco it. Like, it's like a hot mess, right? Everybody loves that big heaping pile of hot mess.
1: Well, the only bummer is like, when you pull out the chip, that's just a chip and you're just like, what is this garbage?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good, that's why I love to toss. When I do nachos, I feel it's important to toss everything together. You're pretty- a nacho tosser. <laughs> oh my god.
1: New band name, call it.
0: <laughs> nacho to- My new band, Nacho <gasps> Tosser.
1: Uh, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to show up in Lucha Libre mask and throw nachos at the audience. <laughs> we can do god, that. God, I
1: wish I could play music. <laughs>
0: that I cannot do. I'm probably the most musically inclined uh, human ever. Well, Sarah, <laughs> I can't say thank you enough for taking time out of your crazy schedule. I know you've got thank training, you. you've got a couple events coming up still. I oh, think yeah. you're headed to uh, Stetna's event, if I'm correct.
1: Yes. Are you going?
0: I will not be there. I'm actually cooking a charity event for oh. Health at Staglin Vineyards. So, um, really, that's
1: really rad. Of course, you I'm, are.
0: I'm super this excited.
1: Is why we're friends, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm bummed that I can't be there with everybody. But, uh, you know, we're going to definitely make some magic happen.
1: I <laughs> hope I get to see you very soon.
0: Yes, we're gonna we're going to have some fun and, and ride some bikes. And you can show me how to ride a hardtail with a... Uh,
1: oh, my God, put a dropper on before that.
0: <laughs> I have a dropper post. I do. I have a dropper post.
1: on your bike. I,
0: I'm i just weird like that, okay? I got it. Oh,
1: that's what they call old school.
0: I am old, Sarah. I am cool. old. I said old school. I know, but I said I'm old. I'm 49 <laughs> years old. I mean, come on. I I started mountain biking when there were still cantilevers, and I remember the big, <laughs> oh my God, V-brakes, they're awesome.
1: Which is why you're not putting a driver post on your bike. You fit a stereotype, my friend. <laughs>
0: well, I, you have to remember, I did go from riding a single speed to learning how to ride gears. So. I know.
1: That's so we need to do another podcast and I'm going to interview you. <laughs> I don't want my own podcast, but I will interview you on your podcast.
0: <laughs> no, that'll be so weird. It would actually be pretty funny, I'm sure, but...
1: Really? I, would lo- I mean, I think a lot of people would love to learn about you and like all of the craziness you have had in your life.
0: My weirdness? Yeah, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick with hiding behind my my uh, my curtain of weirdness, so... <laughs> well, everybody, if you want to check out Sarah, make sure you follow her on her Instagram, which is Sarah
1: under what is it? Sarah underscore Sturmy S T U R M Y.
0: There we go. That's good that she remembers. It was a lot of pulling teeth to get that answer out of her. Uh, make sure you check out her Wahoo Frontiers video as oh, yeah. well as the BWR video with her on it, which is pretty funny. The one thing we did not talk about, which we're going to end off with, and then I'm going to hit that button to stop recording, is her knee toupee and the back of her knee. <laughs>
1: you
0: we are going to hit goodbye.